This is episode number two twenty. How do you rewrite your story with Lachelle Atkins? Welcome. My name is Oleg Lokeed, and this is the Overcoming Odds podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being is if you have enjoyed any of the previous episodes or if this is your first time tuning in, consider supporting our cause by making a donation through our website at overcomingodds.today so we can continue creating and sharing these courageous and inspiring conversations. The second announcement that I wanted to make is an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming experience called Survive to Thrive Attitude of Gratitude. This is a weekly conversation that is broadcasted live through Facebook and LinkedIn where we explore the topics around the concepts of the connection between gratitude and grief, gratitude and resilience, gratitude and relationships in our lives, and many other topics. If you'd like to know more details about any of these upcoming experiences, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the time and place that each and every single one of these takes place. Last but not least, if you've enjoyed any of the previous episodes, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Michelle, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. You know, I'm still a little bit in transition because of all the weather and everything that we've experienced um, here this past week. And I'm actually heading back to my place today because I heard that the water and the power and everything has been restored. So that was... uh, Talk about I was moment. wondering, I was like, oh, we're doing a little redecorate. <laughs> I see a different background. So I was like, hey, okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's been, it's just been interesting to be in transition. And, uh, but at, at the same time, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is the importance of maintaining a learning mindset. You know, that like sometimes circumstances change. I you never know what those circumstances are going to look like. And I think, if anything, it's my responsibility to learn how to adapt um, and how I respond to the circumstances. Because as much as I wanted to think however many years ago that I can control whatever it is that's going to happen, it's just not the case. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? I mean, we really got uh, knocked upside the head last year with the pandemic to Uh really drive that point home. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. And I also think that it's relevant to today's topic and today's conversation that I wanted to have with you around this whole concept of rewriting one story. But before we get into that, I want to say hello to Melody, who is joining us here from Massachusetts. Okay. And Melody. The the theme and the topic was how do you rewrite your story? And I know that you have had quite a few stories within the larger story. 
you know, the, the story of depression and the story of being a mom um, of so many kids. And I'm wondering, like, the best way to maybe start off this conversation is when did you actually realize that you have a choice in rewriting your story to begin with? That's a good question. And for me, you know, that really is the catalyst for this new mindset that I feel I have now. Um, and I don't even want to say growth. I want to say uh, evolution mindset, uh, because every day I work hard to unlearn something and learn something new. Uh, but that really came to a head for me after my third hospitalization. So I was uh, challenged with depression for 13 years. And uh, it was my last hospitalization that I really recognize that, you know, this is a pattern. Uh, I am constantly seeing this um, cycle of, you know, going through this process of modifying my schedule or modifying some things that uh, later on led to be problems. And so I would modify them for a temporary period of time. And then the same routine would revert back to somewhat a normal comfort mm -hmm. zone. And it was after that, that I would be hospitalized. And so after the third time, I was like, you know, I was so busy making excuses for this pattern. Oh, it's my husband or it's my kids and circumstances. And it wasn't until after that hospitalization that I realized that I'm the common denominator, you know, <laughs> I can't even blame all my kids because some of them weren't born at different phases of this uh, depression. So, you know, it was that hard search within that helped me to realize that I have a choice and I can do something different. In the past, I had been um, not making that choice. I had given my power away to this victim mindset of feeling like I didn't have a choice, that things were just happening to me. And I had no um, decision-making or thought about, you know, having a different outcome because I just thought it just was. And that's just what I had to realize was true. What does depression look like for you now? One is just the feeling like you don't think you can choose, right? A lot of times when we go through this uh, scenario in our head, you know, we are powerless because it's, um, you know, the history. It is, you know, this event occurred and, you know, it really left us helpless and, you know, hopeless. And now we begin to make decisions from that point of being hopeless and being uh, fearful. So it's something that you constantly have to work at, I believe, because we all have moments when we do feel hopeless. We do have fear. We do um, feel like, um, you know, we don't know what the next day holds. But the mindset shift that's necessary is um, to feel that you can make a choice to do something regardless of not being in control of some of the variables that you believe have to take place in order for you to live a life of fulfillment. Couldn't agree with you more. I think for me, 
you know, as you're sharing this the thing that stood out is for however long I used to think, and I think partially I was taught to think that you can eliminate some of these things out of your life, like depression, stress, anxiety. And so the, the process was more about how do I find that ultimate answer that's going to put an end to, to it all. And then I just realized throughout just my own lived experience in life that that's not really a reality in many of the cases. You know, depression, anxiety, stress, it just, I think it just evolves, if anything. Yeah. And so whatever the version of those things that I experienced two or three years or 10 years ago, it's going to be different now. But I think it steps, I think it's always with me every step of the way. And so, yes, I might not experience depression the way that I experienced it 10 years ago, but it doesn't mean that I don't experience it. And I think that's the biggest thing. I know within much of your work that you focus on as well, it's just the process, you know, like acknowledge the things that they're going to evolve. They'll still keep happening. It's like the same thing about obstacles. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no, I don't believe there's an ultimate key. I think there are just methods, processes, mindsets that really help moving forward. But the obstacles are still going to take place. So regardless of what age you are. Yeah, you know, I'm doing a room about that on in Clubhouse right now. And uh, the name of the room is How to Eat an Elephant in 21 Days. <laughs> well, the premise is every day we have a new elephant. You know, if it's rejection or procrastination, because, you know, these obstacles are going to occur. And I was doing a podcast interview with a guest probably about a month ago. And they were saying that depression is when you're stuck in the past. And anxiety is when you're stuck in the future. So we miss our opportunity to live because we're either in the past or in the future. And the present, which is where we have the most power to rewrite anything, uh, be it a story or, you know, uh, start moving forward with your goals. You miss those opportunities because you're stuck either in the past or in the future. And neither one of those places are real anymore. They don't Mm -hmm. exist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What did you start asking yourself in rewriting much of your own story, whether it came around depression or some of the other obstacles? Like, do you remember any of the questions or any any moments that kind of just said, oh, I don't have to live this life anymore? Right. I think the main thing for me is that because I came from a, a background of being a high achiever, Uh, feeling like I personally can control my outcomes. So, you know, if I wanted to get an A, I knew what I had to do to get it. You know, I had a um, rubric, you know, for what an A looked like for this paper or project. And so I was so focused on meeting those expectations that I felt like I was in control of that. So the first thing that I began to ask myself was, you know, what can I control and what can I not control? And so I found that a lot of times in the past, I was dealing with variables that were out of my control. But for some reason, I was holding myself personally accountable for those outcomes when they were not within my control. I love that. I think I can relate to much of that wanting to control the circumstances. You know, it's the same thing that I think I shared with you with everything that we've gone through in Texas, like wanting to control the outcome, but realizing that at the end of the day, like what can you control at the end of the day? Mm -hmm. I think if anything, it's like the the mindset, the actions, Mm -hmm. 
But as far as the actual circumstances, I don't think I can control anything about it. Exactly. And so that's a lot better place to be because having that reality of knowing that just helps you to direct your energy, your time, your resources in ways that make more sense. You know, it's like, you know, why would you uh, begin your day with a thousand things on your list, knowing that you only have 16 hours? And if you really factor in all the responsibilities, you know, for myself, you know, I have uh, seven kids that are e-learning. I mean, that's just a big chunk right there. Okay. <laughs> Monday through Friday, it's like, why am I thinking that I could do X, Y, Z, knowing that this time has to be carved out for them? And then they have to eat and then they need help with their homework. And then my husband needs things. So I'm just like, so often we just kind of don't get that. You know, I don't know. We're just like, we're superheroes and there's some mindset of thinking the more things that you put on the list, the more you feel good. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're not accomplishing those things. So it's like, why are you going to raise yourself up only to drop down so low of feeling like you didn't achieve what you wanted? Mm -hmm. And I think I was having a conversation like this with Nancy John doing which she said a similar thing, like this whole concept of achievement being attached to self-worth. You know, the more you do, the more worthy you are. And, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, the more that I think about it, it's, kind, it's, it's in the human being phrase alone. You know, human being, like it's okay to be sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think somehow the model has been, or the story, and not in all cases, but some of the cases, it's been reversed. It's become a lot more about human doing. And if you're not doing, then you're not a human or you're not valued and you're not this, you're not that. And I, I think for me, it was the same exact thing when I was able to kind of flip the script and understand that it's not always about doing, you know, the thing that you brought up about the uh, to-do list, I did the same thing. Like I would fill <laughs> I would fill up a whole notebook and then only get to like three things. Right. And then I'll look back at the whole thing. It's like, why did I just write 27 things? Did I actually think I could get 27 things done? Not out of, out of the 16 hours. Because right. the reality of the matter is like only eight of those. Exactly. Really committed, you know? So true. I mean, it, and really, I mean, th- that is so true. And, you know, in the past, I just look at my philosophy of doing that, you know, coming from my background all the way through a college degree is, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to put five things on there. Okay. I did uh, four. So then I would take that one and move it over. Well, Fast forward to being a mom with a lot of responsibilities, things that I do not know because I never had to experience that. So it's even going to take me longer to do for for something for my family than what it would take for somebody else. You know, so even (laughs) meal prep, it's like, okay, why am I thinking I can do that in an hour and I'm not used to preparing meals for seven or eight or however many people? So I didn't factor in that, but I would have this list and, okay, 27 things. I get three done. So I take the 24, put them on there. Instead of saying, you know what? You only got three things done over a course of three days. 
maybe your list should just have three things on it. That I didn't get that. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I just thought, okay, miraculously, you know, just the insanity of it all, right? Yes. Doing the same thing, expecting different results. Yeah, no. I, yeah. I, I used to do the same exact thing in the, the whole list. And I mean, talk about rewriting your story or mm-hmm. rewriting the n- narrative of, okay, these are the actual tangible results that I'm receiving from that list. Why am I trying to <laughs> stick to the other part? I think the same thing applies. I was having a conversation like this with uh, two people the other day, Casey and mm-hmm. Billy Apple was the other one. And we were talking about this whole concept of um, being attached to a particular outcome, mm-hmm. you know, like saying that it has to come in this form, whether it's a form of coaching, speaking, whatever form of business. And I realized recently within the past however many weeks that it was actually not choosing to be attached to a particular outcome that brought on, brought in even more opportunities. Yeah. You know, I'm not totally saying that like this package has to come with this price tag. And if it doesn't, therefore I can't take any opportunity outside of it. Cause the reality of the matter is, I don't know how you look at opportunities, but I think opportunities come to me at the right time. Right. And you never know which one of them is going to lead to the next one and how it's going to lead to the next exactly. one. And I think, you know, even just the whole thing of opportunities, I believe that, you know, they're created, you know, it's based on collaboration. That has really just been the thing that has been a very big catalyst to me rewriting my story is, you know, I had this mindset of always doing things on my own, working hard, achieving the outcome. And after that experience with my depression, I've learned that, you know, I'm not an island. And it is so much easier to work with a group, a team, or someone else rather than do things by myself. And having that intention when I meet people and just this whole curiosity of, you know, where is this going to lead me? What is going to come from this conversation, from this event or whatever? And it has really opened my eyes. I was, um, I met somebody yesterday right? And um, I was, uh, we were just due to have like a little introductory call. I'm in this organization where I serve as vice president. So it was like a meeting. It's a referral program. Mm -hmm. And um, we ended up leaving the conversation with creating a new um, business venture. And it's uh, something that's going to be used on a mobile app. So you just never know. You know, if you're clear about your mission, your message, there are vehicles that will come to you. Now, I don't believe that that would have happened if I wasn't clear or if he wasn't clear. Mm-hmm. And just being an active listener, you know, because there were things that he said that sparked me to ask more questions and then just start asking him different things. And then I began thinking and he began thinking and it created this organic business opportunity, but it never would have happened if I'm so busy trying to have the story of society of, okay, we're not the same gender. We're not the same race. We're not the same age. We don't have the same story. So a lot of these things prevent us from having those organic 
uh, connections with people to create something great. What's the fine line then between choosing to say no to certain things? Is there one? Well, I think things can just exist. I, I really believe that the only limits are you saying no. There's boundaries that I believe that we can have in terms of um, how we conduct ourselves, how we um, guard our inner space and peace and, you know, having time to rest and manage our daily uh, schedule. But I feel like no is a limitation because if you're in a mindset to where you love to create, you're innovative, everything can be yes. However, you may not be able to be a part of that whole process from start to finish or anything like that. It's really interesting that you've mentioned that because, so I've experienced a similar thing. I think, you know, collaboration to me, it's been key. Understanding that there's only so much that I can achieve on my own. And I think part of that journey included like putting the ego aside and just really getting more in tune with, with this whole concept that it really is teams that accomplish many of the things. And I started to realize throughout my own journey, like that fine line between saying no to certain things and saying yes. I mean, for me, maybe it's more of like mission alignment or vision, you know, does it actually make sense? But at the same time, I'll also say that there have been opportunities that I've created where there didn't appear to be uh, direct mission alignment to begin with. And then once we started working, then it just produced something completely different, you know, and it was, and then it, it did become an alignment. So I think it's an interesting thing that you point out as far as what do you choose to say no and yes to, and the whole concept of limitations, because I do think that in many of the situations throughout my life, I'm the only one that sets those limits. Right. Because I'm going to tell you one thing, you're saying no, because if you see something that somebody else may not even see. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, so you're like, I'm not going to get into this. I mean, like you mentioned the thing with misalignment and the question from having a conversation and exploring the things that the gentleman was saying to me yesterday were creating a roadmap to a destination that neither one of us knew it was going to get to. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And those misalignments anyway, are just based on your perspective. Right. And that perspective could be due to misunderstanding of the exactly. matter. Exactly. Or, or so many other things that impact you, you know, might be having a rough day. Right. Or being married to the outcomes, because yeah. let's say that you're like, okay, I want to do this podcast and this is the topic that I want to cover. And you ask somebody about the podcast and they interpret what you're saying a different way than how you mean for it to be interpreted. And they, <laughs> they respond a different way. And then you're like, I hadn't considered that, but that might be a good idea. So immediately, you know, because you're not married to the outcome, you're able to explore something different that could even be greater. See, I think the issue becomes the ego. When you're able to let the ego aside, mm -hmm. you can be open to 
creating something collaboratively rather than it being your vision and somebody joining you to that. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? How do you personally put your ego aside in many of the situations? Well, my intention usually is to have a conversation Mm -hmm. and I am there really to learn. So the concept, when I meet people that I haven't met before, it's really asking them a lot of questions to find out. I'm on a journey to find out what they're there to teach me. As I ask people questions, because I'm really asking for myself, and there's a lot that I admit to. So it's like, you know, someone I'm supposed to meet, I'm a few minutes late. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm late. My kids were doing whatever. I'm just me, Uh right? And I'm showing them how I am, but I'm thinking, well, what am I going to learn from this person, right? And as I ask those questions, I'm able to get beneath the layer of who they are and organic conversations take place. Uh And it's from that place that I can hear what they're saying and um, offer them ideas for businesses or ways that they can work smarter, not harder or whatever, because they kind of have that space where, I don't know, it's just a way that they kind of not have any outcomes, you know, but it's that process of connection that allows them to kind of let go of some of their um, expectations. Mm-hmm. And I think you do that very well. In fact, I remember how you and I met. It was either I was late to the call or you were late to the call, whichever one. Right. And I think like the thing that was fascinating about was, so that's an instance, you know, when, when someone is late, I think in many of the situations, some of us are taught that, okay, there's, there is a, it's a negative experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not one that's uh, welcomed with open arms but I think you and I did something interesting and I, I'm pretty sure you were the one that mentioned that you just said like life happens, mm-hmm. you know? So like, why am I sitting here taking it personally for why Lachelle is late or why there is whatever else that's happening when the reality of the matter is like, I can't control any of that. And even if I did, what would be the point? Right. If the, if the point of it all is to have a conversation where you're able to, just like you said, learn and better understand the other person's perspective and journey, then all these other things, to me, they're just add-ons. Right. You know, so what that you're five minutes late or so what that I'm 10 minutes late. Um, And I know that that was one of the eye-opening conversations for me where it just helped me understand that there's so many expectations and assumptions Mm -hmm. that I create throughout my own life. Like it has to be this way. And if it's not, then there's no way it could work out. When the reality of the matter is it's going to take its own course. It's going to be its own thing Mm -hmm. as much as I want to control it or not. So true. And it it can end up being something greater. You know, I'm learning through my journey that I don't want what I've seen before. I want something new. So every day I kind of have that mindset of, you know, even people that I know, it's like, okay, how can I make this experience better, different? You know, when I talk to people, I want to be able to give them something new. Mm-hmm. You know, who wants to just keep saying the same stuff all the time? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, otherwise, why are we even talking? You see what I'm saying, though? Yeah. 
Why yeah. are you creating that space and that time? I mean, there are people that I keep in my life and I consider you one of them because you're like using life like a sponge. Mm-hmm. And it's saving me time to have interactions with you because I'm learning something when I mm-hmm. interact with you. Mm-hmm. Other people that don't have that mindset, I just don't have time for that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm the same exact way. I think I find myself there's actually like tension and frustration that I experience when it's the same exact pattern, you know, the same exact thing. Like, how are you? What's new in your life? Mm-hmm. Personally speaking, like. I think there's still value in those questions, but mm-hmm. I don't find as much value because I feel like then it becomes like a progress report. Right. You know? And I don't want to do progress reports. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't enjoy mm-hmm. doing them. Like I would much rather talk about something else in life, but then I also understand that not everyone is in the same exact space. Right. Not everyone is capable of having a deep conversation like we do. Not everyone is able to stay open-minded within a topic that you might have personal tension in, you know, or, or even sharing a space where one is there to agree to disagree. Right. Cause that happens, I think with many mm-hmm. um, of the conversation. So I always find spaces like this really special and unique because I mean, that's the thing that allows me to grow. And Absolutely. even it might be, even if it is around the same topic, I just know for a fact that it's not going to be the same conversation because you and I are at different, different chapters within our journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So true. I get that. Yeah. I mean, and there's always something to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, I had an interview with uh, a gentleman just this week. He was 24 and he used to do the social media for um, David Meltzer. And now mm-hmm. he does it for Ed Milet or, you know, actually they're business partners. And so um, it's like so often people discount people because mm-hmm. of their race, their gender, their age. And you miss out so much on life because, you know, you're able to get a head start in a number of things. And I think people look at me and they're like, how are you doing all this different stuff? And it's like, you know what? I just have a community of people in my tribe, all ages, genders, walks of life that help me do what I do. Uh-huh. You know, I have access to them that can save me time, save me money, save me experiences and heartache from experiencing life through their eyes. Uh-huh. And I think that also goes back to something Melody had mentioned here in the comments, beginner's mindset of always learning. You know, choosing to understand that I don't know it all. I know for me, one of the things I'm working on is this whole concept of I'm not right or I'm not one. I no longer want to be right. Exactly. You know, I think if anything, I'm becoming uh, sure or less less sure about certain things because, I mean, that's just the reality of of life for me is that the more perspectives I open myself up to, the more I begin to understand that, wow, there are so many different ways to think or do the same exact concept. You know, like washing dishes. Is there a right way to do it? Some people like to fill up one sink, both sinks. Some people don't like to wash dishes. Some people like to use the dishwasher. Mm -hmm. And which of those three is right? 
it's so only true. right according to the person. Right. Now, that is a good point. That's what I was going to say, because there is no right or wrong. It's only what's right to you. Mm-hmm. Because you don't know what you think somebody should do based on their life history, their story that they have for themselves or their own experiences. That may not be right. Because, mm-hmm. see, what happens is when you come from a place of something being right or wrong, that's you being married to the outcomes that only affect you and your story and perspective, trying to put that on the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so from- the more you let that go, the, the better off you will have it. Mm-hmm. And from there, I think uh, that that's where this responsibility, at least for me, of trying to really trying to understand what am I projecting upon other people? What's the story that I'm projecting upon others? Mm-hmm. The whole thing about, well, I might not have been able to do this. How am I projecting that to other people? Am I telling them that they can't do it? Or I'm encouraging them to explore it on their own and find their own ways and their own solutions. And that, I mean, I don't know where that comes from as far as that form of responsibility, but I know it's something that I'm actively working on and trying to develop like more and more. I probably these conversations helped me tremendously because they helped me see that like mm-hmm. I can do, I can be better because I know better. Mm-hmm. So true. And I think, you know, that whole thing of really being married to the outcomes is huge to overcome mm-hmm. because, you know, it has really helped me. I don't have any personal responsibility for people anymore. Mm-hmm. The only person I feel responsible for is myself. Mm-hmm. And when you have that mindset, you're able to inspire people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, you know what? You're having an issue with time management. Well, this is what I do. Now, it may work for you. It may not. You might find that I have five things and only one of them works for you. Yeah. However, I can help give you value. I'm willing to share. But you can create your own. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You're not married to that. So you go on. You just be truthful about your journey and you keep it moving, you know? And I think that's the thing that makes it inspiring more so than, you know, I really have a rough time with a lot of these um, platforms where you have coaches who it's this formula and this is how, or, um, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday who was advising me on um, certain business decisions, you know, because, it's like, you know, you've doing a lot of things. And I'm like, okay, I like doing a lot of things. <laughs> because I feel like I have no limits, right? Because I design things to be that way. And, you know, if people get intrigued with that, they're like, okay, so what is it that you're doing? Because I'm not really, my mission is to raise awareness on a topic that a lot of people would um, not even want to bring up. You know, depression is something that is unheard of of people really talking about it. And we talk around it. Yeah, you need to have self-care. You need to do this. But nobody knows what that means and how to execute it. Mm -hmm. So I like to be able to create platforms to do that. But, um, it, you know, that's something that, you know, it doesn't you can't throw money at depression. Mm -hmm. You know, so people always are trying to figure out, you know, well, how are you getting paid and how is this happening and all that? And it's like, you know, you understand my message. So what is your point to asking me these questions? Because do you want to help? 
Or are you just trying to figure out how I'm gaining? You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Where do you think those questions come from? Well, I think people, this is good. Okay, I did an interview a couple days ago, and the, the guy said that, you know, it doesn't give me a compliment if you tell me I have potential. Because in my mind, potential means that um, I'm not all of what I could be. Mm -hmm. So I think people are able to sometimes see your value and we label it as potential, but the person is still in the process of getting there. Mm -hmm. So I think when people ask me the question about money, a lot mm -hmm. of times it's coming from them seeing the value of what I have and they don't, they just are, um, they want to know, um, I don't know. It's it's kind of like they see the worth, but it, it just makes me wonder what's your motivation? Because if you see that and you, why are you not saying, well, can I collaborate with you? Yeah. Or I noticed that you would be good at X. So because that, I think there's an element of the ego being there. Mm -hmm. I wondered if part of that, because I, I've been faced with the same question throughout my life, thousands, maybe even more. Um, times and I, I wonder if part of that comes from some people wanting to do a similar thing but haven't figured out a way for how to do that and I wonder if part of that comes from like the judgment or a comparison wrong because I, I've, I've been I've had the same exact thing it's like why is that the important question within all of that like, I it's think, almost like that question becomes, it comes before even asking, why did, why are you doing this to begin with? Exactly. I think it is based on their own reality, mm -hmm. their own story. Because, you know, now that I think, I mean, just, that's just like this whole conversation yesterday, when I um, talked to this gentleman, we were talking about a concept. And so we just kept layering ideas on the concept. I mean, we weren't even thinking about the money uh -huh. until it's like, okay, well, let's create this. You see what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Afterwards. So I think if you're able to see that in other people, there is an element of the ego that's there because the ego is coming from your own story. And the more you're able to release that story, the more opportunities can come your way to collaborate and monetize and things like that. Because I think this is the problem. Money is just a currency mm -hmm. and it flows, but nobody is going to flow any money to you if they're not getting any value. <laughs> Correct. So if you see the value in somebody, then you're able to see that they have potential for money to flow to them. Mm -hmm. So why are you trying to inter interfere with that? If you recognize that's what the value is, why are you not trying to partner with them or collaborate mm -hmm. would be the question rather than trying to recreate what you see them having. Mm -hmm. 
for yourself when you are only you're seeing this person actively creating something. So mm-hmm. that's like if you're building a bridge and you know that bridge is going to go over this water to get to the other side, you see them already doing the work. You, you already <laughs> see that it's a bridge. Yeah. And then you want to try to do your own instead of just, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. I just see things so much more clear now that, I mean, I, I'm all for, and I was listening to Grant Cardone yesterday. He was on Clubhouse and he said, you know, I've learned through my own experience that I connect with people now that I can either lift up or they can lift me up. Mm-hmm. He's like, I join people that if they have something that's already working for them, why am I going to go and try to reinvent it when they're the expert and I can just get on board with them mm-hmm. and support them and mm-hmm. do what I can to bring who I am to the table rather than trying to recreate it. Or if somebody has something that I see that has value and I can lift them up mm-hmm. based on my connections or resources or whatever, why wouldn't I do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I think that whole thing goes back to what you and I have said multiple times throughout this, the ego, Mm -hmm. choosing to put it away. I am curious, though, however, when it comes to this, there's this phrase that I've come across. I don't know if you've come across it, and it's like, if you're doing the right thing, money will follow. What are your thoughts on that? See, I don't even think the right thing is even part of the equation. Uh Uh-huh. I would say if you're if you're providing value, uh-huh. money will follow. Money will appear. You know, you can create money uh-huh. from the value that you provide. Yeah, because I was thinking about that recently, and then I, I've. So this is this was a, I guess you could say a phrase that was floating around when I was first starting much of this work three or four years ago and it was focused on do the right thing or follow your passion and money will follow. And I realized that following the passion alone, it actually did not produce any of the money or anything, but it was, I think the value component is key. Understanding how am I providing the value? What's the value that I am providing? And then from there, some of these other things do I don't know if they necessarily follow. I think they appear. Well, you create them. Yeah. You start with a plan. And as you uh, exercise that plan or, you know, take action on that plan, Mm -hmm. the opportunities will uh, appear. Mm -hmm. I don't think they follow because it's a part of you taking action, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, this think about it this way. Mm-hmm. Money is already out there. You just are changing the way somebody spends the money they already have. True. Based on the value that you provide. So just imagine if Clubhouse was something right now is free, but if everybody had to pay for it, right? And they felt it was valuable, they would allocate, they would disrupt their current uh, money flow to either purchase clubhouse or not purchase it based on what the value is that they see for it. Mm-hmm. So you can do this at any point if you create value. 
Hmm. And that probably will happen with Kappa. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, because I'm saying the money is already there. It's already in circulation. You're not doing anything different. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, in terms of, I mean, if so people get caught up trying to tie themselves to that flow of money when that's already doing its own thing. You know, someone said to me as a coach, for example, mm-hmm. you either want to be on somebody's vision board or in their checkbook register. Wow. That's I mean, there is truth there. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of truth in that statement. Yeah. And that probably I would even say that that applies to most, if not every profession. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like if you want a dream house, you know, if you have a dream house on that vision board, what does that take? And what are all the professions that it takes? And how can you become a part of someone else's vision board? Mm-hmm. And then the other part follows. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. I never thought about it from that perspective before. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> Lachelle, what's the best way? And I know you and I actually had this conversation <laughs> as far as best way to connect with you. But on the bottom, <laughs> I'm going to include the website as one of the places yes, that's fine. for yeah. people to connect. Is there any other platform? I know that you said you're on Clubhouse, Facebook, mm-hmm. LinkedIn. Um, YouTube, uh, you know, Facebook. Yeah, all of them. Instagram. They can contact me as America Supermom or Lachelle Atkins, either one. Okay. So it sounds like on top of that, the best thing to do is to just simply Google your name and then from there, pick and choose, right? <laughs> hey, it took me a lot of work to get there. You know what I'm saying? Hey, oh, yeah. it definitely wasn't like, what is that? The 30 years of uh, overnight success? Yeah, at least. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating to even like look back at that whole journey and just try and understand that even being able to appear on whatever page within Google rankings, that's time. Like that's a significant investment of time and energy and producing the content. Mm -hmm. So you're, you know, keep going up so people can actually find you. Mm -hmm. I remember times throughout my life when I was first starting this, you know, being on like page 10 of Google and just thinking to myself, who is going to click through 10 pages of Google right. just to find one simple link? So I appreciate you being here. appreciate you having the impact in my life and always creating a space where we're able to just explore a topic at hand. And so for anyone that's listening, highly encourage you to connect with Lachelle and through her website or just simply Googling her name and being able to find a way to go through that. Thank you so much, Oleg. And uh, I love our conversations and I encourage people who are watching to join us on Saturday mornings. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you could put your link in there uh, Mm -hmm. for the courageous conversations, because that really has been a foundation in my life that I just enjoy and it keeps me grounded. So, Mm -hmm. We had an amazing conversation yesterday. Speaking of that, it was uh, it started with the topic of is everything connected in life? And oh, it went man. in every possible direction you could think of. I mean, you could imagine, you know, just between the people that join and 
the different yeah. realms that, <laughs> that you go in. But it, it was it was a really for me it was a really mind blowing experience because I there were actually a couple of theories that uh, were challenged of my own. You know the whole thing. I think it was Scott that brought up this point. I, we were talking about um, energy <clears throat> can't be destroyed or created. And he brought up the point that that's only true when it's a closed environment. Mm. But in an open environment like Earth, it can be destroyed and it can be recreated. And I just thought I was like, wow, that's such a mind-blowing theory because mm. it, is, it is true. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that space is, is truly unique mm -hmm. because of the because of how open it is. Yeah. And I think just being able to sit there and listen to another person's perspective, mm -hmm. for me, that's all it takes to be able to shift my own. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, it really, one of the things that's so important is um, people having a space where they feel confident to bring up their perspectives that may be different. Yeah. See, a lot of us don't have a problem thinking different. Or having a different perspective, but we don't have the courage to voice that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we fall into the trap of doing what everybody else is doing, burying our voice. For me, it happens, you know, and every day I get out of the comfort zone to where if I have anything that comes up different, I voice it, mm -hmm. you know, because I dealt with too much time that I lost by not doing that because you can just ask a question or make a statement and it could lead to anything yeah by having the courage to speak up and it could lead to a breakthrough for the other person exactly because they might not have been thinking of that question before or they haven't had the courage to ask a exactly like yeah because what happens is these things are buried yeah so when you hear that perspective it's like it awakens them because mm -hmm. it's like, I had that before, but I ignored it. Or, you know, I was in denial. I didn't think that I, I thought I was crazy or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Now I'll definitely include the link. And for anyone that's interested, just reach out to me personally and I'll send you the link. But once again, I just, I really appreciate you being who you are, being a part of this. And yeah, I, I think from there, it's just, it's, as a friend of mine once said, this is just the beginning. So I'm Absolutely. sure that there will, there will be versions 3.0, 4.0. Exactly. And I'm definitely coming back when I, uh, you know, collaborate <laughs> with Oprah Winfrey and Jimmy. <laughs> yes, that will be good for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, it starts with your mindset, okay? Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider supporting our cause by making a donation through our website at overcomingodds.today so we can continue creating and sharing these courageous and inspiring conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next time.